Hello, all of you Bulletproof Marketer fans out there. It's your host, Christopher Tompkins, and you are listening to one of our classic BPM episodes. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, folks, and welcome to the Social Marketing Academy. Uh, today, we have an awesome show for you. I know I say awesome shows all the time, but I do mean this. Um, I have my good friend, Wendy, on here. She's a healthcare marketing expert, and she has some really interesting takes on internal marketing. Um, internal marketing, it, it's not boring, right? It's good, something that you need to know. So my buddy, Wendy, is going to hook us up. Um, so I'm going to tell you more about Wendy in one second, then have her on and we can start our chat. Uh, so thank you guys and gals out there for um, really making the show what it is. Uh, we've gotten such a warm response from our new format that we started back in January. Um, so I, I just want to give you a big shout out of thanks for your support. Again, if you have not been able to um, watch our videos that we do for our live cast, I want you to say, go ahead and check us out on YouTube. And we have our podcast archive that has tons of different episodes. Every single episode is packed with an expert from my network that is going to help um, really take your marketing to the next level. So if there's something that you are looking for in terms of a topic, look through our archive and listen in. Everybody that I bring on here is packed full of information and I go to them when I have questions about marketing. So our free consultation pretty much, so not a bad deal. Also, don't forget to go to our website, Go Sales and Marketing gosalesandmarketing.com. That is my firm, The Go Agencies. Oh, this is a, one of our promotional pens. How nice. Um, product placement. <laughs> On that site, you'll find all the links that you can ask me questions that we can ask our guests on an upcoming episode. Have a question about what you'd like to have covered? Please ask me. I want to help you folks. So let me know and we'll create some content that will be helpful for you. Again, if you're on the website, check out the blog, check out the podcast page, click around. If I can help you out or my team can, give me a shout. If not, enjoy the content that's on there. So what can I say about Wendy? Um, Wendy O'Donovan Phillips is the CEO of Big Buzz. It's an agency delivering strategy and consultation to drive focused marketing efforts for executives and teams nationwide. Wendy's also the author of two books, uh, books available on Amazon. Yes, two. Uh, and she has been published in many healthcare journals. She's a member of the Women's President, President Organization, having reached 1 million revenues the last two years, which is only 1% of women-owned businesses achieve, just so you know. Um, she's been honored by the American Dental Association as an expert consultant in marketing. She regularly lectures for healthcare organizations and associations in front of audiences ranging from 25 to 3,000 attendees. She is one of the 1.5% of U.S. marketing agency owners to sit on the Forbes Agency Council, which I also sit on as well. Hi, Wendy. Um, she sits on the board of the All Health Network, which has supported the Denver area since 1955. And she lives in Denver. So do we have anybody else in Denver out there? Uh, I'd like to hear from you. Wendy's coming on right now. I'm just going to let her in. Um, so we have a lot of good things to cover here right now. And there she is. Hey, Wendy. She's just connecting over there right now. Again, Wendy is the, um, the CEO of Big Buzz. And there she is. Can you hear me? I can. Hello. 
Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I love your pillow and chair. God, what common colors. Thank you. <laughs> love it, love it. Okay, so I just told everybody a little bit about you, went through your bio with everybody. But, you know, um, Wendy, how would you kind of just like in your own words, introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Sure, certainly. Thanks, Christopher. So um, I am Wendy O'Donnell and Phillips. I founded um, this firm, Big Buzz, 14 years ago. Now I'm dating myself. Um, and I, I had left um, a marketing agency and sort of the marketing agency world where I had worked on some really big, fancy campaigns and, and accounts, mm -hmm. um, big name brands. And I just sort of felt disenchanted. Like at the end of the day, I feel like marketing should give back more, right? And so I started um, my firm specifically in the healthcare industry because I figure um, if we can be um, really, really good to the people that we work with and really understand how they connect with their people, then we can ultimately have impacts on you know, patient experiences and, and whatnot. And that translates for other companies as well. Yeah, that I mean, I, I, I love that angle to take, especially with the healthcare marketing. We, me and Wendy were talking offline prior about some of our own experiences in this. And I was saying, you know, it's a really refreshing take on healthcare marketing, um, which is why I go to Wendy when I have questions about healthcare marketing. Just because I live in Florida doesn't mean I know everything about healthcare people. I mean, you keep asking me and I, I know enough that Wendy's my girl. Wendy's my girl. So we have lots of questions that came um, from our audience, Wendy, um, about just, we were talking about different, um, different topics. And one of the topics that really landed, I think, was internal marketing and kind of the internal communications of, um, of a company and just certain, certain kind of shades of that conversation. So one of the questions that we, we, we were asked was, oh, this is one that I, I, I love this question. Okay, asking for referrals. How do you do it? Sure, <laughs> sure. So, so, and I'm going to kind of set, um, I'm going to have a moment about internal marketing. The, the idea of internal marketing, I think, historically has been, let's apply some of the communication strategies that we've applied to external marketing in talking to our internal people. And I encourage your listeners to sort of take down, just take down the mask, right? That like, yes. What is it that we really want to show up and be with the folks that we serve? Who are we really and why, why did we choose to be in this industry in the first place? And, and start looking for those moments of connection. So I'd be willing to bet that a lot of your, of your listeners, if I said, go ask, like in, in the next conversation you have in your business, ask, be sure to ask for a referral. I would be willing to bet that a lot of your listeners would bristle at that. Like, oh, like that sounds like, you know, use car sales manny. Yep. And, and the fact is in our organizations, we are constantly having conversations where clients are saying to us, just person to person, thanks so much, right? You made a big difference for me. And sometimes it's really subtle, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. wow, I'm impressed. I really like this. Like that's the big flashy kind, right? But sometimes it's just a heartfelt moment between two people where you see the shoulders go down a little bit. You see that you relax them a little bit or, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like in your industry, start to keep your radar up for that because one, it's happening all the time. Two, you and your frontline employees are probably glossing over it because you're great at what you do. So you're like, yeah, 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 moving on. Yeah. But that's the perfect time to remind folks, 
Hey, thanks for the compliment. And the greatest compliment you can give us is the gift of a referral, right? That's kind of a little bit canned, but you know, even we love clients like you. Like if you have other folks in the industry who, who could benefit from this, send them our way, right? Keep, keep it light, keep it bright, keep it conversational, but start looking for those moments of connection. They're happening all the time. Yeah. Okay. I have a, I have a follow-up now. This is one of the things when I've, when I've kind of approached the subject with um, other people that have kind of been asking, you know, what's the best way to ask for referrals and how do you do it? And I said, well, it's no problem for me because I'm extremely forward as a person and I have very little shame, but the, uh, but, but when, when one of the things that people mentioned to me, and I thought this would, I would love to your take on this, Wendy. If, what if you're are talking to a senior living facility that you're doing a phenomenal job that just gave you that moment? And you're like, hey, I love working with you. And if there's anybody else, and they were like, well, what do you want me to do? Refer you to other senior living facilities? Or, cause they don't, cause I feel that sometimes they, um, the people that you're asking referrals are afraid to share you in a way. Sure, so um, are you getting at like, what tools can we provide them to share us? Yeah, like how can it be, how can you, how can you help the, the person that you're asking um, do so in a way that is easy and it makes sense for them so they don't feel threatened? Yeah. So I feel like sometimes they feel threatened, like you are our diamond, right. I'm not sharing you with them. Right, anybody. right. It's such a good question. And I, and I was just talking with a colleague about this, that um, there are certain industries like senior living where it's such a delicate conversation and, you know, you can't just be like, yeah, your grandma looks bad like have you considered you know what I mean right so right. I so with those sensitivities in in mind I think this is less about like um it's less about empower empowering them again I'm I'm moving in internal marketing away from like tricks and tools and more yeah. to like meet people where they are and just remember us that's mm -hmm. all we really want is just remember us. Mm -hmm. And so, and then, and then what will happen is in everyday conversation, this is what happened to, to here's an example from my life. Um, my daughter's godmother, you know, one Christmas we were all together and she said to all of us, you know, mom's really declining and I'm going to have to move her out, out here out West. And, and I'm looking for memory care and I don't, I don't know what to do. And me, of course I'm in the industry, so I'm a cheater, but, but I'm like, I know exactly where to send you, right? But I probably wouldn't have been so keen on that if I wasn't directly in conversation and reminded all the time I had literally been going through the art of that referral ask conversation with this particular community that I referred mm -hmm. her to. So it was so keenly top of mind for me. Um, so it's more about hu human beings have these right place at the right time moments yes. all of the time. Mm -hmm. And it's about just staying top of mind. And I will say too, that when I started my career, I started my career in, in newspaper advertising and I was told, you know, tell the advertisers that they have to advertise at least 10 times yeah. because it won't even be seen, right? Like they right. won't even like recognize that you're advertising until you're like 10, 10 ad buys in. And it's true, like you have to keep repeating it. So the, so this is why that art of the ask is so important, mm. like the repetition. So I'm often asked, you know, if, going back to our analogy of the senior living community, if we've got 25 frontline employees on, in each location and they're all asking for referrals, isn't that overkill? No, 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 no. Because, you know, 10 different people ask 10 different ways and then your families and residents, or in, in your case, your listeners, clients finally go, 
oh, they're accepting new business. I have somebody mm. who I could send, like they're finally paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I think the first task at hand is just making that conversation natural and a normal part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will add before I forget that um, your listeners can text 31996. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Let me say that differently. I'm in marketing and I can say a call to action. (laughs) (laughs) No judgment, no judgment. (laughs) We have a cheat sheet on this, The Art of the Ask, like exactly how I train it appears in the book that I wrote. For a digital copy of the book, text the word marketing (laughs) to 31996. And I'll say that again. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a, a little system that you can orient your staff to and just get them asking and having that conversation on a regular basis. And then the right place at the right time happens. And and to kind of back up what Wendy's saying, um, I was never, uh, I mean, I was never a person that was asking for more business, even though I was, I was in the trenches. And when you're in the trenches, sometimes what happens is when a client gives you, gives you praise, you're like, oh my God, no one ever praises my work. Because as marketers, we're not really the most praised of professions. Um, but uh, at the same time, I wasn't asking for the business. So I did change my um, operating basis a few years ago and we're we're 100% referral based business. Every every client that we we have is referred by somebody else to us. And guess what that does? That changes the structure of your business. It changes your sales structure, it changes your marketing costs, it changes your need for a sales team, it changes your CRM, it changes 100%. everything. And it's and it's it's like there is an art Wendy's not lying. This isn't kind of like someone gives you a compliment. And you're like, yeah, hey, um, uh, you got anybody else that does that? Or <laughs> anybody else you got? That's right. Well, and w- as we were talking about offline earlier, you know, um, you and I both started, we all start our businesses in a way where it's like, yeah, you got business for me. I'll take whatever you got. And yeah. then you reach this threshold, sometimes naturally and sometimes on purpose. And this is a great tool to facilitate this transition right. into a more referral-based company. Um, and even we ourselves, I mean, as, as a, a marketing firm, um, for a long time, we relied a, really heavily on external marketing to get to where we are. Yeah. And, then, and then we turn around and we're like, you know, five, six, seven, eight years in, we're like, we're sitting on a little gold mine called these clients who already know and love us and who are connected in their industry. Why not start you know, cultivating them. So th- that was how many years ago, that was how this sort of um, was born. And we have, we have refined it over the years. And I know my colleague just delivered the training yesterday to, to a team um, and it's all laid out there in the book. So it's, it's really easy to take to your team. And, and um, the most important part about that is that it's not, I think I said training and I hate that word because it's not about going to your team and saying, now we're going to be a referral-based business and you're all going to ask for referrals. <laughs> yes. They'll all walk out, right? Yes, they will. <laughs> yeah. It's more about coming to them and inviting them to understand you do something extraordinarily special every single day that changes lives. Let's have that conversation first. And again, I, I illustrate how, how to have that conversation. And then inviting them to create a structure within the culture of the, of the um, organization that supports having that conversation and celebrating that conversation. Mm-hmm. And Chris, it looks totally different, like 
organization to organization that we work with. Like I oh, have some sure. that are like, we're gonna, um, you know, give folks $5 gift cards when they ask for referrals. I had one team that was like, all we wanna do is we wanna hit like this one big like referral number for the month. And when we hit that number, we're gonna go to a cowboy bar. This was pre-pandemic. And I'm like, that sounds awful to me, but if that's what you want, <laughs> great, right? So like make it about the team and have them really put together how they want it to, to be in their culture. I see teams, when we've got the right people on the team, teams really have a lot of fun with this and, and make it happen. Mm, I completely agree with you. One of the things that we did internally and that really worked wonderfully was I actually asked my team, who do they want to work with? What clients would they like to work with? Because we're, I'm, I was sitting over here like a couple of years ago thinking like, okay, where do we want to go? Where's a good vertical for us? What should we be focusing on? And I was like, but wait, we have these amazingly talented people. Let's ask them and see what they want to do. And they came up with ideas that shaped the future of the company. And now they have clients that they actually love working with. Yes. I mean, we we're like we were talking offline about this as well. We're in a really wonderful position as agency owners that we can choose to work with with individuals and companies that we believe in and that really have a good message behind them. And it's, it's nice to look at your book of business and see that. And then I think also having a book of business that looks like that is easier to do exactly what you're saying, because you've yes. created these wonderful people. I have, I have clients that will say to me, um, you know, I don't know exactly who my target audience is. And they're a service-based business B2B. And I said, who is your favorite client? Who there you go. Email? I love it. Who's your favorite client? Yes. Get more of them. What category are they in? Well, they're doing this, but that's not our target audience because we did, uh, we hired this research firm and I was like, well, God bless you. But like, this is your favorite person. Go yes. find more of them. Yes, it's so true. And I think, so over the years, because we have been, I don't know if we've been spoiled or, or ruined by all of these algorithms, right? Ooh, we, yeah, we, we have so much power as marketers to hyper-focus mm -hmm. on a target persona. Right. So, but now we've come through this awful global time where we've all had to self-reflect. We've all had to, you know, take off the mask and the makeup and we've all had to just go, you know, I'm having a hard time. I'm everybody, every one of your listeners at one point or the other in the last year has said to someone else, I, I hope I ha I'm having a hard time because it was a hard time. Right. Yep, yep. That entire spirit of humanity needs to be brought back into marketing. We've got to put the people back into marketing. Mm -hmm. It's not about target audiences and algorithms and you know, multi-omni-channel reach, right? I love what you said. Who is your favorite customer mm -hmm. and how do you replicate that person? It's such a valuable question because when we write content marketing, when we run ads, and there's, a, of course, and we still have to do all those things, but we are doing those to reach a particular person mm -hmm. with a particular, probably really challenging time in front of them or a particular fear or obstacle that they're facing that's, that's causing them to lose sleep, right? And we use that, that uh, phrase, we toss it around, of like, what, what causes your customer to lose sleep at night? And, you know, we give this cursory, you know, profit and revenue. No, like, yeah, what is right. actually really getting their goat and how can you solve that for Roger? We were talking about Barbara earlier, right? Yeah, Barbara. There's, there are Rogers and Barbaras out there who are, are fretting right now, sitting at their desks, sitting in their warehouses, 
going, I don't know what I'm going to do. And your listeners have the answer to that question. So again, going back to the team first, it's really about getting having having the regular conversation with the team about you are extraordinary you are doing great I and mean, we've as leaders had to do so much of this in the last 12 months right of like mm-hmm. i know the chips are down and you are killing it yet and just keep going right mm-hmm. we have to keep keep going with that momentum keep really looking at each other in the digital eyes and seeing what's going on with our team first genuinely connecting you know, bolstering people when they're down and really lifting them up when they're up. And then encouraging them to take that ripple effect out to the Rogers and the Barbaras and the Brendas of the world, those clients who you serve. And yes, focus first on those that you love the most because they will replicate. What, what we focus on grows, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. And I, I have lots of little sneaky tactics that I get to kind of bolster my points sometimes with a client. Uh, the, if, I, if I know some of the client not, is not going to listen, I try to get proof. So what I will do is I will either, they, I say that their audience is this one and this is, um, you should be looking at the refrigeration companies. Then what I will do is I'll have one of my team members do a secret shop with that client as a refrigeration client and see how they handle it. And then go back to them and say, did you see how smooth that was? Do you see how those answers were? And I would say, be very challenging on the secret shop and see how they handle it. And they handled it great. They could make the sale. I'm like, look at this. We just did this. I'm sorry. You know, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission here. But like, this is why. Because sometimes you need to see the hard truth. And here's the truth. You're really good at this. Yes. Um, Yes. And especially now, our frontline employees forget that, right? That that they've all come through a hard time personally. Um, Some have come through a hard time professionally. And just, you know, reminding them more often than not. and, And this is really about the details, right? watching for somebody, I have an employee who every now and again, you can actually see on the Zoom call, she's just sort of, you know, a little despondent, right? And it's it's a real subtlety, right? But to connect with that person, take five minutes to pick up that phone. Boy, we all learned what a heavy weight that is, right? Mm -hmm. But now we flex that muscle. Keep picking up the phone and calling employees. How are you really let me, let me, and what can I do to make your job better? And I want you to know that I saw this little thing that you did last week that made a huge difference. When we are good as gold to the people who work with us, they are good as gold to the people who bring us revenue. Again, it's all about people. It's all, and when and that goodness happens and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, profits and revenues rise. <laughs> and, uh, and a really good point that you made there that I'd like to kind of just amplify is that if you are using Zoom and you're using a chat feature, um, that is not enough for you to connect with your staff. You need another mode of communication. And I, and if you think that you are solving things through a chat or texts, you're wrong. Right. You're right. wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And I get this. I have this all the time. I was talking to uh, uh, one of one of my people in my network, and they were saying, "Yeah, we have this one one of employees. She just." No, I just she says everything's fine, and I was like, oh, when you're talking to her, I'm like, no, well, we know we, we message on Slack, and I was like, so you're like a Slack therapist because a Slack therapist is not a therapist I pay for, right? You know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of like, what's my if if the program that you're using provides stock responses, 
yes. to somebody. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, and and um, back to your earlier point about really making it about a person. Y yes, there is a time and a place to rely on our technologies. You know, there's a there's a purpose for chat. It works well. There's a purpose for marketing automation in terms of email. It works well. But what it comes down to is identifying before you do any of that, who is that ideal customer that you really want to replicate? Make a list of 10 that kind of match up with that guy's pro or woman's profile, right? And then, and, and you and I do this in our sleep, but survey those folks, right? And yeah. ask them, how did you find a solution like ours? What do you like best about it? What other similar solutions did you consider? And then out of all of these possible ways for us to market our solution, which do you pay most attention to? Now you have a message that really resonates with the people you most want to attract. You have a marketing plan that is going to attract the people that you want to attract instead of just shooting those darts in the dark. And again, the book, the first fifth of the book is about exactly this, how yeah. one could do a, a survey process that, like I said, you know, for, for Christopher and I, it kind of comes to us so naturally. Um, but I was challenged five years ago when I wrote the book, actually write out, if, if I, it's like writing out how, how, how to teach someone how to drive, right? I'm like, I did this all yeah. the time. But I've actually written out how you could do it, how your listeners can do it on your own. So, so again, the, the book, um, Text and Marketing to 31996. And I'll say it again before we before we part ways. Um, but you get a free copy of that. Yeah, and it's it really is it really is important. Um, you know, it, like one of the things that we do as an agency that we started, and I've really loved because I feel like it's I like triple wins. I don't like double wins. I want a win for for the company, our mm -hmm. company, our agency, the client, and then the actual agent that's working on the client or the heading up the client's team. And what we do is I challenge, um, I challenge every single one of our um, account managers. They're working with all the clients every single day. They have to write three positive things that happen for the client every single day. And we keep a running sheet. Then we decide as a team, what are the three biggest things that are going to delight the client in a given week based off of their circumstance, based off of whatever happened in the past week. And just because maybe somebody was like, oh, you know, I'm really worried about this or I'm really worried about that. Let's, let's alleviate that worry with this. So then, and guess what? I have a whole list of what the best things that that employee did so I can reward them based off of that as well. I love so. it. I love it. And this is the, a great example of genuinely putting the people back into the marketing. It's not about the, the dollar results and it's not about the technology. It's about what are we best at? How do we celebrate that? How do we really shine that in front of our customers so that then like-minded customers are coming to us? And it is so much more fun to attract those customers and then have a book of business filled with customers who love you and are singing your praises. It's so much easier and so much more fulfilling. Yeah, and I think that when I think everybody out there also when you're when you're choosing to work like an, with an agency, a marketing agency for whatever cam, campaign that you're working with, a good agency is going to try to emotionally connect with your subject matter. So we're going to offer you more than you could even imagine. And just because we're not sitting in the office next door does not mean that we can't figure out what's going on. Right. How many of these organizations we've all seen right now are connecting through video calls or what have you. We can do the same thing. I consider my, my um, company the marketing department down the hall. And I want you to consider that. We're not an island. We're not that agency that we pay. Oh God, they're the top expense on our thing. 
Yeah, because you're getting 10 people right. for the cost, okay? Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Barbara, but I got to tell you, look at, look at right. that again. Um, but talking about, talking about something re remotely related to that, upselling, okay? Mm -hmm. Another question that we got is kind of how, what, what methods, um, what are the best methods to approach upselling with a client and your team? Sure. So again, and, and this is all about turning the focus inward, right? So not relying so heavily on external marketing, but looking at that gold mine that you're already sitting on. Yep. Um, yep. And with current clients, I mean, that's another one of those words like training that I bristle at upsell, right? Because nobody wants to be upsold. No. And, so, and, and, and I will, I will digress here just a bit and say, Christopher, you and I had such a lovely conversation about vernacular, right? That words matter. Yes. So, you know, going back to our senior living analogy, you know, nobody wants to buy a bed in a facility, right? People are looking for, you know, a home, a forever home for their mom or their dad, right? Right. So your internal team might use certain um, words or acronyms that make a lot of sense to you. I challenge one of, one of them that we were trying to break ourselves of is PPC advertising. Our clients don't necessarily know what that means, right? Yeah. So putting yourself, putting myself in their shoes and then to, to more, give a more focused answer to your question about upselling, again, putting, putting myself, my team putting ourselves, um, your listeners putting themselves in the client's shoes, what is the next thing that is really going to keep Roger or Barbara awake at night? Genuinely, what is the next big obstacle that this person is going to have to face in, in the arena where we serve them? What's the next big burning question they're going to have? Yep. Um, one, of the, um, one of the things that we encourage marketing teams to do, if your listeners have an internal marketing team, we encourage you to separate the role of project manager and client services person. Because the client services manager should only have the relationship with your customer and should love on that customer and know that customer inside and out. So when Barbara calls and says, you know, I'm, I'm looking at our current deliverables and my concerns are this, that, and the other, that person can look three moves ahead and say, my gosh, we're going to need X, Y, and Z in addition to what we're already doing. Let's nail this. And then I'm going to reapproach Barbara and tell her, I really heard her on that conversation. And this is what we need to do next to really safeguard your, or your organization. Then the project manager on that same marketing team has no relationship with Barbara, no contact with Barbara. And the project manager can go to the, the client services manager when those two people get together, the client services manager gives, you know, oh, and Barbara's got all this stuff that she needs and she poor Barbara and I just love her. And can we just do X, Y, and Z for her for free? And the project manager says, no, we cannot because Barbara is out of time and budget. Yeah. So the whole point of this is that again, you're putting the right people in the right seats on the bus, not a, not a foreign concept to any of us. But then you are, you are honoring their roles so, so much so that this person becomes just yes, Barbara, and this person becomes just no, Barbara. And the healthy tension that happens protects 
everything for Barbara, right? Mm -hmm. It protects her feelings. It protects her relationship with you. And it also protects her time and her budget that she has so carefully allotted with your team. And so we see that that is a really great system to stay in check around those little um, opportunities that arise that, that, you know, the marketing team or the company wants to say, oh, yes, we could do all of that because we love you. Mm-hmm. Of course you do. But right. set up some stop gaps so that the love doesn't cost us all too much money. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And it's, it's interesting because what we do is, um, and obviously doing lots of digital and getting kind of involved with someone's marketing campaign, a lot of things aren't fully disclosed at the beginning. And this is some of the, one of the things that I always, I always tell clients, if you don't tell us, we're going to find out. So if, you, if, if there's skeletons in your closet and you need protected, you have to let us know. <laughs> if I don't agree with you, I will say no. But, like, uh, but also, you know, are you using other marketing agencies? Are you using other, how else are you marketing your business? Mm-hmm. And so we can know the full story. What's your, what are your plans for this year? Don't, I, I always urge clients not to hold their cards close to their chest when they're dealing with the marketing agency that they want to begin a relationship with that has legs um, because we can then suggest a lot of things. And guess what? My goal and your goal, Wendy, I'm sure, is to make you successful, is right. to make you get and reach all of your goals, if not surpass them. I like to underpromise and overdeliver. And if that is the case, but you have, people that are working against my campaign that I'm not aware yes. of. Yes. That's a little bit of an issue. Um, right. so for example, I had a client recently that, um, no name, maybe not a client, maybe I read this somewhere, wink. But the, uh, the, the person I was working with um, said, oh, are you doing LinkedIn lead generation? And I said, yes, we're doing LinkedIn lead generation. These are our targets. This is our messaging strategy. This is how many people we've connected with, et cetera, et cetera. And like, oh, well, we have another, there's another person that's going in there doing that as well. And I said, huh? And I looked and I found out that the other company was doing the unethical version of LinkedIn marketing. Sure. We were doing the ethical version. Sure, sure. And it's, it, but it's kind of like, well, guess what? That's going to hurt my strategy for you and your investment with me right. because they can actually hurt us. Yes. Um, and that, for example, like even working in advertising accounts where um, we had somebody, and I have no problem with offshore anything. We had a client that said, will you help managing just one element of our social media advertising? And our other firm is in Indonesia. And I said, would I ever work with the, the other firm to see what they're doing? Oh, no, 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 no. You guys would be completely separate. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, I, right. so I'm the fall guy. Right. So, and, and, and to, to connect the dots I'm seeing here, in terms of that customer relationship, again, talk to the full person. Like how you said, like yes. you're you're out, you you are a shepherd as a business leader. You are a shepherd of your client's success. Yes, there are numbers attached to that, but there's also relationship attached to that. And in relationship, it's the nitty gritty. Like it is the it is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. In the strongest client relationships that I have. I have a lot of conversations like the one that you're describing right now, right? Where, you know, I'm actually going to push back here and here's why. And I'm going to tell you that this is, you want to do A, B, and C, and I'm going to tell you, you need to go in the opposite direction. And here's why, right? Or, uh, you know, tomorrow we're having a, a, a tricky but important conversation with a client around 
there are certain activities happening, to your point, that are hindering us in creating your success. And, and again, I think, you know, in the, in the 80s, 90s, you know, in business, we just, we all put on those, folks put on their mask and, you know, and suited up and said, you know, we're all just handshakes and grins, you know? Yep. And the, and the more <laughs> humanity and business evolve, the more we just are ourselves. And so when things are not working for you internally, have a look at what certainly your part is in it, because there's always that. Yep. And, and then have a look at what is it I notice that the client is doing that's holding us back? And how can I say to that client, I notice fill in the blank and, I, and it's holding us back and I need fill in the blank. I love, I noticed I need, right? It's like the, for me, it's like the evolved version of the, um, of the I feel statement, which mm -hmm. we got gag on that one, right? Yeah. I feel bad when you, no, no, no. I notice that you bypass our client services manager and call me directly. When that happens, we're, we're using precious time and hours that we've allotted to your projects. I need for you to call her directly. How can we make that happen? Mm -hmm. Right? So it's still professional, but it is direct. It is clear. Brene Brown says clear is kind. And it is just, it is. And, and she also says, walk into that dark cave, right? Nobody likes to have difficult conversations, but when we do, that is where great client relationships are built or to your point, the client exits and goes and finds their success elsewhere and bless them because you've got more Barbaras and Rogers coming in the door. Those are the ones you really want to be working with. And it's nice too because when those when those clients do um, exit, because I it, it's something that I've seen quite a bit when I've come to crossroads, they it's almost a true self comes forward and it's 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 motivated by all of the things that you don't agree with that it was all hidden and kind of pushed down, right. um, or someone gets let go and then the CEO just steps in and kind of postures, mm -hmm. and it's all of those things. But once that person leaves, everyone goes. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, and everybody wins, right? Because that weight is lifted. I mean, I had a client that would, um, that we actually had to let go because they were being um, so abusive in their email um, sure. communication. We have and, also done that. And, and, and the thing is this, it's not the, the takeaway folks listening is not that um, me and Wendy fire our clients. It's that <laughs> right. if you, if you want to work with someone that actually cares, there's, there's firms like ours out there. And we aren't all snake oil salesmen. And I know that there's a lot out there because I am the rebound guy. I'm the guy that gets you after you've been wronged or someone screwed you over or some, someone overspent. Oh my God, Wendy, we had someone that came to us. We, we, I just consulted with them for a little while. Um, they had a marketer and we, we took them on for a little while. They um, had a marketer that they hired and they completely ignored her spend and she was justifying everything. She spent $140,000 in 35 days oh, on marketing materials. And then I got a call saying, hey, why are you billing us? And it wasn't all for us. I mean, God, I mean, if only. But I mean, it wasn't all for us. And um, the CEO called and said, what's going on with this? And I said, your credit card <laughs> where we send the receipts to you was this was what was happening. And they had no idea. And yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's interesting as you go through this, um, the closer that you go into a human approach with individuals, rather than looking at them, like you said, as the suited up handshake and a smile, 
and you come to them in a place where you're comfortable and respectful to them that right. you can have that conversation. Right. Um, so yeah, and I think one of the things with upselling that we do and upselling, I don't like upselling either. Um, it just sounds like, oh, where are we gonna sell them now? We're in trouble. <laughs> no, what I try to do is I try to offer introductions that are useful for them resources that are useful useful for them and then if there is something that we can do internally that would help them out we suggest that so mm -hmm. we do that we actually what we do is we do something called a campaign insider so we send it once a month with the invoice because it's going to be like hey, what are we paying for oh uh and that helps out <laughs> but it's basically a roundup of all the success of the last month our plan for the upcoming month and then suggestions and kind of like if you want to take these great these are just some things that we were thinking about Mm -hmm. And it allows us to kind of look at the full playing field constantly. Mm -hmm. So I told every, every single person that works on a campaign has to not look only that we're doing a Facebook campaign or doing an Instagram campaign. It can very easily turn into a TikTok campaign or a YouTube uh, um, channel or what have you. So it's empowering your team to understand how it all works together because yes. it moves fast, <laughs> yes. fast. Yes, yes. Advertising alone in the last, uh, uh, just the last six months has been such a headache. Right. Um, with right. all the changes. So it's trying to keep and empower your employees, I think, which is another really good part about the upsell uh, process. Empowering them to have the knowledge so that they always have the answer or know where to get the answer if they're product. Exactly. Exactly. And, and to circle back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of culture, right? Culture is created by what we say. The, the first stage of creation is speaking something out loud. So I could say, Christopher, I'm going to lose five pounds. That's the first time that I have created this change, right? So in, in a business culture, we have to say over and over and over to our employees, to our team, this is how it works. This is how it works, right? And, and have all those parts and pieces together. And it is, I think, the most challenging thing to do in business. Um, and we, we have an offering that I like to call Fix My Broken Marketing Team. So we have organizations that hire us. <laughs> and they're that. like, my internal marketing team is a mess. And, I, and they're lovely people. It's usually they're lovely people. They're talented people. But we're just a mess. And we very often um, support them in utilizing very simple tools to, to do exactly what you're talking about in terms of what are the main things that we sell? What is our main message? Mm -hmm. Who is our Barbara or Roger? Mm -hmm. What is our one-year plan, our three-year plan, our 10-year plan as an organization? Too often, you know, folks in leadership positions like ours, I, for years, Christopher, I thought that I had communicated what my, you know, what the, what the big grand plan was for Big Buzz. <laughs> and, and then in the last few years, we've really been working on it as a leadership team. And it's been fascinating to me that one, they didn't know, and most executive teams don't know what the nope. CEO is, is thinking, right? Somehow we're not mind readers, it turns out. And then secondly, um, they don't agree with it. My leadership team said, no, we don't want to grind the midnight oil and, and grow and scale at this ridiculous pace. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's disappointing to me, but I got over it because it's more <laughs> important that we're, and, and I, I love this. Someone on my leadership team said years ago, it's more important, Wendy, that we're a sustainable company than a fast growing company. And it changed everything for me. But I had to first set up that right incubator, that right scenario 
for us to be consistently communicating and saying out loud to each other, what is the plan? Who is our target, right? And so, and now we do that with, with marketing teams. It's a lot of fun, especially when you, again, your listeners have great teams, very mm -hmm. talented, energetic folks. And when you give them the right, um, the right frameworks for having the right conversations with each other and with the customer on a regular basis, then we're putting the people back into marketing. I have a question for you about that. Now, with um, I, I've, I've done consulting with marketing departments as well, and I've seen that I don't I don't want to say nine times out of ten, but a lot of the times um, the communication between the sales and marketing teams is the, is the main issue. They're both speaking different languages. They both have different expectations. In that in that process that you go through, how do you do you incorporate the sales team, or do you meet with them and see what their complaints are? Because as soon as you talk to each side, you know exactly what the problem is, right? Yes, and I would say it's nine out of ten. I agree with you on that. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a marketer, so I'm like really biased. But right. like, marketing, yeah, marketing creates all the glossy, beautiful things, and sales goes, "Well, we don't have the right things." And then you know, <laughs> marketing's like, "What do you mean you're not the right? We just spent all this time." So yes, it is an age-old issue for organizations across many industries, and I would the the way that we recommend teams do it is that the sales team has a dedicated once weekly meeting that is it starts on time it ends on time it's the same amount of time every week and they follow the same exact format that format is followed by the marketing team in a separate marketing team meeting mm -hmm. that format is followed by the financial team in a in, in yep. same right by the operations team right so you have silos but then once a week you all get together and do just a stand up 15 minute, let's go over our core values, let's go over what our focus is for the quarter, let's write and, and let's get everyone oriented for the week on what is most the most important action that you can take. Mm -hmm. And in that stand up, when the, when the individual meetings are following the same format, mm -hmm. and it's a very specific format, when that's happening on a regular basis and they're having the same conversation in the same format, again, communicating that spoken word over and over, that repetition, mm -hmm. then when they come to that 15 minute stand up, they can very quickly identify what support I need right now is Bob over in marketing, that glossy piece you're working on. I just got a message from the client that we want it to be this call to action instead of that one. Can you make that change? Mm -hmm. Instead of us all making these assumptions, we have to actually talk to one another. And there are vessels. We think of them as, as vessels. Like what, which vessel does that problem belong in? I mean, we put it in that meeting. It gets resolved or it gets brought up at that 15-minute larger meeting. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It, it makes business so much more fun when we're having the right conversations. Uh, isn't it? Um, it's kind of because I, I mean, I've sat in, in usually when I'm doing, if I'm hired as a consultant and looking at marketing and trying to help get the marketing and sales departments together, I'll say, okay, I, in order for me to get going, I have to be in two weeks of all of your meetings. And then I, and then I say, okay, well, they say, oh, we're going to send over the spreadsheet with the spreadsheet with some times. I'm like the spreadsheet. What is this? 1992. And then I take a look at that. I take a look at the spreadsheet. And there's like 25 meetings on there. And I, I said, is this just for sales and marketing? And they said, yes, this is how we, this is how we keep everything in order. And I was, and I immediately knew it was a mess. Like I can immediately know it's a mess. And I got on the first call and um, I worked with this client for a while uh, and they would just tear down whoever, they had a strategy of tearing down whoever wasn't on the call. So the, the scapegoat was whoever didn't join the call. 
And it was, that was their method. <laughs> and that was their internal method from the owner of the company to the marketing director, to the sales manager, to the finance person. And I'll be the first to admit, I have used some cockamamie and, and really bad ways of doing this. And I could wake up 10 years from now and say the way I'm doing it now was a bad way of doing it. We all do the best that we can with the, with the tools that we have. Um, but, but rarely in my experience have I looked someone in the eye and really listened and really looked for a commonality and looked for a place to, to find that common ground and relate and, and walked away and thought, I didn't do that quite right. Very rarely. It's, I think we get really, you know, I, I've been talking about some pretty complex um, systems and, and approaches and, and, and the fact of the matter is it's just one conversation at a time. It doesn't yes. have to be, it, uh, keep it simple, right? Um, in when, uh, you know, the, the third week of March, when everything shut down, I spent, I started, it was about a six or eight week period where I just called each one of my team members for five minutes, at least once a week. And I just said, I just want to know how you're doing in this moment right now. Like genuine, like not how you doing, but like genuinely, like how you're holding up, like what's today look like for you? Because your, your team, our teams are still pulling out of this, right? We can all see a little bit of light on the horizon, but we're still in it. And, um, you know, just that five minute conversation to, to genuinely connect and empathize and find that common ground and say, you know, I'm here for you goes so far. I mean, that's, that's I think one of the, the best marketing tools that's out there is just connecting with your team first and making them feel really appreciated and heard. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, and they perform so much better for clients that way as well. Um, <laughs> and I, I also find uh, that they are 24 hour brainstormers. So if they really want a client, I mean, getting on a Tuesday evening at one o'clock in the morning, uh, a chat in one of our clients things saying, look what I just saw on TikTok. It's like, yes, I love that. I love it, it makes me so excited. It makes you so excited because they're not working. They're just living. And then they're, right. seeing, they're seeing inspiration through their life that yeah. can be applied. And then it's like, that's a shit hot idea. I think, yeah. you, should, I think you should do that. Let's go yeah. with it. Then they're like completely full ownership of it. Oh, you can't, oh, you can't wait to see what I'm going to put, put together. And I love that. Yes. Um, I want to change gears here. I have one more question. Um, and this has kind of come up a lot because of all of the privacy concerns that are that are kind of running around in the marketing world, especially the advertising world now. It, a question that we had posed by the audience was how to invest ethically and profitably into Google and Facebook in the current climate. Sure. So it is it is a sticky wicket because um, any of your listeners who have watched the social dilemma have you seen that yet? Yes, I have. Yeah, it was deeply disturbing to me, um, <laughs> and and I and I kind of came away going, my gosh, like I sell this for a living. I, I sell social media advertising and and, and yep. search engine advertising, and you know what is this really? And I mean that movie is a bit hyperbolic, and and um, you know I, I won't go into my movie review, but it it had me open my eyes in terms of you know what what is really the right thing to do by, by these people that we serve, right? And here's the thing is that we all as business people know that advertising on Google and Facebook because they do have such powerful algorithms gets us directly in front of 
an external audience that we really want to reach, right? So Facebook knows because I told Facebook by virtue of posting, Facebook knows that I'm the daughter of a sailor, that I grew up in the South, that I have a uh, standard poodle puppy, that I have a daughter in middle school, right? It knows all these things I posted about them over the, over the years. And, and I participated in that, right? So, so there's that layer to this, that if you wanted to, if, if you, one of your listeners wanted to target an ad to a sailor's daughter who, you know, has a daughter, who, who has a daughter of her own who's in middle school, they could do that. They could find me, yes. right? Yeah. And so I'm participating. Like, it's not as though I've just given away my information. Um, in my opinion, there are lots of opinions on this. All of that to say, yes, we can hyper target a particular audience. And yet it is our, it is our responsibility our responsibility as business leaders, not the social media and, and, and uh, search engine giants responsibilities, but our responsibility to put the people back into marketing, right? And so I am not going to, um, and, and in fact, Facebook just introduced a um, new offering whereby I can request to suppress, like I don't want my ad to appear alongside ads with this topic. Amen. So if I have a particular, you know, ethical problem, then I can I can suppress those, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that again, we need to take back responsibility for our part in things. That you know, I I can make some good choices around how to advertise on those outlets, mm -hmm. and I can also make some really great decisions around not over relying on that external marketing um, phenomenon to to grow my business. Again, when, anytime that we're advertising on Facebook, Google, we're advertising again to the masses. There's a time and a place for that. Yep. And it should be a part of a much broader marketing uh, portfolio that yep. includes a lot of you know, FaceTime with clients and, and um, oral sharing of, of case studies and you know, more grassroots efforts. We all need to get back to that as well. So that was a very long-winded answer to say that um, are Google and, and Facebook the enemy? I don't know about that. I think that the enemy is pointing the finger and saying that's the problem, mm -hmm. right? That when we all take yep. ownership for um, our part in things, then, then we're, we're better off uh, all the way around. I completely agree with you, Wendy. The, what I also have been telling um, my clients is when I saw a lot of the privacy concerns start shooting up, they shot up so high because everyone was hyper-focused on everything because of the climate for last year. It was, it was a very, right. very, like everyone was kind of like, oh my God, I never knew that my teeth weren't white because I'm looking at myself every single day, all day long. My shit looks terrible. <laughs> right. And I mean, and, and I mean, that can be also looked at how many, the, like the, like how many people have been hit with depression and, and yes. like body image and things like that. Yes. So if you're, I think what I've been saying to my clients is, listen, you have to be flexible. You have to try new things. You have to try like accessing different parts of your personality as a company. You don't always have to be so damn serious. You don't have to be so somber all the time. You can bring joy. What is the number one thing that people are, is disruptive right now? It's not the doom scroll. Everyone was doom scrolling. Like, oh, let's pick up my phone. Oh, something's burning, something blew up, someone's upset, someone's, someone's marching. It's like, it's none of that. 
like you know what disrupts that not more of that louder of that more controversial versions of that something freaking nice something nice something positive something cute and we've been doing this with some of our clients to great success and they're very serious they have a very serious market but we're throwing in something that's a little lighthearted once in a while we're not we're tying we're tying into the news cycle as we do as marketers but we're choosing what news we want to tie into and also, I'm, I've been telling my clients too, to, there's, if you have a Google bus, a bucket and you have your Facebook bucket, why don't we get a couple more? I was like, why don't we start trying out maybe some LinkedIn advertising, maybe some Instagram advertising, maybe some, and start kind of spreading Instagram's Facebook, but like start spreading it out a little bit. Um, because a lot of things, are, what happens if one of those buckets goes away? or stops being so successful. I know a lot of businesses that built their entire business off of Facebook because they've spent like $10 million in the ads. Uh, and right. I, think that's, I think that's something else too. It's, it, it's a lot of people think that like, wow, how is that company doing so many good things on Facebook? Why are they so popular? And then you talk to that company, they're gonna tell us, oh, well, we just have a really great advertising strategy. And then if I look at their advertising report, they're spending $75,000 a month. So I, I say all that to say that um, it's, it's really important to spread out your spend um, if you're looking into investing into Google and Facebook. And also, I, I mean, a lot of our clients, we've seen previous campaigns that we don't really work with and they were doing almost clickbait type ads people aren't into that anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think so much. I think people get really angry Not at so that. Much. <laughs> Not so much. That's right. But okay, well, Wendy, I mean, thank you so much. It's been such a great conversation. Thank uh, you. Where can people, obviously everything that Wendy's going to tell you, I'm going to put into the notes of the show so you can scroll down in the show description on our website or YouTube, Facebook, wherever you find it. 